Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome to another edition of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. Today, we are diving into a very timely topic as we come into tax season, which is, do you have to file taxes if you didn't earn any income? Now, even in that title, I think we're going to need some clarification, such as like what falls under that umbrella? Does that mean if you earned a dollar? Does that mean simply if you earned income in the eyes of the IRS, such as your income was greater than your business expenses? So I'm sure we'll have a lot of really fun stuff that maybe three nerds are excited to listen to, but uh, this is important stuff. And especially as you're getting started in your financial coaching business, it can definitely be that you spend more investing initially than you earn in your business, if that's what we're judging it by. So Josh, this is more your area of expertise. So I'm going to pass the baton over to you. I dropped it. I'm sorry. Oh, I see. (laughs) Now we have to wait another four years till the next Olympics. My God. Actually, as a total aside, uh, there is a woman who you may know. She's in the XY Planning Network, Lauren Williams, who is a financial planner and ran in multiple Olympics. And there was a documentary or at least a short video on her being the person who dropped the baton or, well, let's qualify. She wasn't the one who dropped it, but there was an issue with her handoffs. And I think it was subsequent Olympics and just what it's like to overcome that kind of adversity when you have billions of people watching and yeah. that happens to you. So hopefully it sounds like our mistakes. Some of them are just more televised. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I shudder even to think of that. So your baton drop, not nearly totally as okay. influential. Yeah. Always. Back to you. Yeah. So let's go with the basic question, which is let's define income as someone paid you money. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about the very, very top, tippy top of the uh, profit and loss statement, right? Income came in. That's cute. Let's, we're talking about the top, the tippy top, the tippy top, top, tippy yes. top, top. Yeah. I'll remix that into a song once this is like, done recording. Thank you. So if you, if you were paid money, you have to report it. Income, according to the IRS, is defined, well, according to Congress (laughs) in the IRS code, uh, income is defined as whatever income, I'm sorry, all income from whatever source derived. Okay. This does not qualify how much income you have to do. This does not qualify what what the source was, right? Drug dealers are more higher up drug dealers are more commonly caught on income tax evasion than on uh, than on their drug dealing. 
Interesting. Because a drug dealer has to disclose the income from their illegal activity. Well, I am impressed. I mean, they take their job seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have income, you have to report it. Uh, generally, it's going to be on Schedule C. Okay. So you'll, you'll report it on your schedule. Uh, you may not think that you have a business because you're just sort of doing it on the side, but you have a business. The government considers you to have a business. Your local city will consider you to have a business for business license purposes. Right. Uh, we talk about this in Crash Course and Launch and in the free email series. Um, so in all three of those places, we talk about it at different levels of depth. But you have to, uh, you, you do have to disclose your, your income uh, on your tax forms. Now, there is a rule where underneath a certain threshold, the IRS does not enforce and you are not required. So underneath a certain threshold of total income, not your business income, your, but your total income, you don't have to file. I hate that rule. And the reason why is because it causes lots of low income people to miss out on um, what are effectively welfare programs through the tax code. Got it. Because they don't file because they don't think they need to. And, and technically they don't because the IRS will never audit you for paying them too much money. <laughs> right. Right. But the, the reality is, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you've had a dollar of income or a hundred thousand dollars of income. If someone paid you for your financial coaching business, uh, you are required to disclose it. And when I teach tax classes, I have, I have like, I give like ridiculous examples that are like, you know, only a crazy person on some sort of amphetamine or, or hallucinogen would have come up with these crazy examples that I have in my class. And, uh, but that's so, just you in normal day life. Right. Right. Yeah. No, they're, they're actual tax court cases. <laughs> and these like ridiculous examples that you think, where do you even come up with this stuff? What were you on when you came up with it? No, they're actual examples from real tax court cases. Wow. Um, because literally, if you have a dollar more than you did yesterday, you have to declare it as income. Got it. So that's important to know. So it's not just that you, because I kind of posed that in the beginning. Oh, is it just if you earned more than you spent in your business? No, $1 in your business, you need, you need to file. Yeah. Cool. And you don't, you know, you don't need to file a separate tax return, right? You, you, you might file it on your own Schedule C, that's going to be determined by if you have an entity and blah, 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 right? The type of entity. But right. um, so this doesn't mean that you're going to be doing a completely separate business tax return, although Schedule C is kind of a completely separate business tax return. It's just technically not its own tax return. Yeah, aren't taxes fun? Yeah. But, but the answer, the short answer is yes. If you had income, you have to file. Now let's look at it from the bottom of the tax return. Which is, let's say that you had expenses, and those expenses were more than your income. Okay. okay. And I'm going to give two scenarios. You had income, the expenses were more than your income, and so therefore you end up with a negative. Or you had expenses and your expenses were more than your income because you had zero income <laughs> and therefore you end up with a negative. In either scenario, uh, you want to file your taxes, your Schedule C. 
because those expenses in pursuit of a business are uh, right off, you can write off other active income. Now, this is important because there is two forms of income, active income and passive income. Active income is honestly the better type of income from, from a tax planning perspective. Um, it's harder to work with passive income. There's a lot more rules associated with it. Um, but your job is active income. So if you have a normal W-2 job, that's active income. So you could take your expenses, your losses in your business and offset some of your W-2 job income or your 1099, I work for as a contractor income, like whatever it happens to be. I'm hesitant to ask this, but is there a kind of easy distinction between active and passive income in the eyes of the IRS or in that definition? Or is that like a laundry list long? Yeah, it's going to be an easy distinction, but figuring out the cat- how to categorize specific types of income does become a laundry list. Okay. Okay. So the, the easy distinction is you earning that income. Was there a verb involved? Hmm. Were you active? <laughs> right. Like literally it's like the most, it is the most straightforward definition you can come up with. Right. Did you do something that caused you to earn that income? Okay. Um, whereas dividend income from an investment, you didn't do anything, right? The company did a bunch of stuff, but you just received that dividend income. This is making me question where hedge fund managers would fall. Yeah, that actually becomes a big part of Trump's tax reform of taking some benefits away from hedge fund managers. Probably didn't expect that. <laughs> Um, but tightening not up. enough in my eyes, but yes, yeah. we'll, we'll take a considering how little activity there has been against uh, them in the past. Yeah, I'll um, take whatever we can get. But tightening up the rules around what can be considered as categorized as active versus passive income with regard to um, it, it's a whole bunch of stuff. But there was some tightening up of those rules because there was abuse associated with it. Right. That that was some of the offsetting with the other stuff that happened in the tax return tax reform. So um, yeah, so so that's the basic thing. When you're talking about real estate, it becomes very complex. When you're talking about not just hedge fund managers, but you know someone who uh, they are like the there's an investment pool of people. Some people invested into it. The other person invested their time into it, right? Whether that's active or passive income, like there's a whole bunch of laundry list of stuff as we try to categorize, especially certain activities into them. But generally speaking, you can broadly think of the income from your investments are going to be more passive income from job or entrepreneurship are going to be active. Laundry list is where the gray area in between is. Okay. Got it. But for, I imagine at least, well, actually, I don't know the situation of all the financial coaches uh, in the financial coaches community. So I can't really say more so one than the other, but I would just assume statistically that more often than not, people would be dealing with active. Well, first off their financial coaching business is always active. Right. Right. So it's always going to be categorized as active. Um, And then shouldn't say always, but the vast, 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 vast majority of the cases. There we go. Way to cover your tush. Yeah. And then their other income is most likely going to be active as well, because the vast majority of people's incomes of the typical person's income is 
I work for a job or I own a business or I'm a contractor that, you know, I, I drive Uber, whatever it happens to be, right? All, all of that is going to be examples of active income. So generally speaking, we're going to be dealing with active income for most financial coaches on both sides of the equation. Okay. Means if you have a $5,000 loss in your business, then you can take that $5,000 loss and offset your other active income with that loss. Um, If you have passive income, you, there's a whole bunch of rules about that and you really should have a tax advisor for that. (laughs) So, and then you mentioned the importance of filing for those, especially who have lower income to be able to potentially take advantage of, um, like you said, welfare programs kind of through the tax code. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being something just for coaches, cause they're, um, I know that would apply to a decent amount of coaches, um, in the group, just in kind of their own shared experience and the careers that they're coming from, or, um, you know, uh, w- this would probably With apply to parents mm-hmm. too. Like if they aren't earning any income, depending on how they're filing their taxes yeah. with a partner. Um, but I, I think that could be relevant to some coaches too. So just if there's any more information around that, that would kind of be helpful. Yeah. My, my argument is everyone should file a tax return. That's, that's my belief. Everyone, regardless of, of circumstance should um, file a tax return. Now, you know, an 18 year old that's working at a job that is um, still a dependent of their parent, them filing their tax return should be based upon a family tax advisor because them filing a tax return could impact a whole bunch of stuff. It could, it's obviously going to impact their parents' taxes. It's going to impact potentially financial aid, right? There's a bunch of things that could fall into this. So um, when I say everyone should file a tax return, that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually do, but you know, they may get advice that they shouldn't for this reason, but it should be competent advice. (laughs) Got it. Um, But in general, if you are in that low income category where you're not technically required to, there is a very, very good chance that there is a host of tax credits specifically designed for low income people that you would be missing out on. Um, And many of those tax credits are uh, what are called um, refundable tax credits, meaning you could pay $20 in taxes throughout the year and get $2,000 back. So you actually pay negative taxes and about half of the country pays negative taxes, about 40% of the country pays negative taxes. Yep. Um, and so that's a lot of potential money that is on the table for low-income people. And while many people might look at that, and probably a lot of financial coaches would look at that and say, oh, well, a couple thousand dollars isn't that big of a deal. For a low-income family, that is a life-changing amount. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And from a definition standpoint, non-refundable means that you can get more money back than you pay. Or, yeah. And then non-refundable means that you, for example, in that uh, example you gave, if they paid twenty dollars in taxes, the max they would able be able to get back would be twenty dollars. Correct. Yeah. So basically, what the question is is when we do the final calculation, can we bring your tax liability below zero? 
right? Zero tax liability would be you get paid back all the money you paid in, in income taxes throughout the year through withholdings and other things. And that's like people getting a refund, but that's because they overpaid. They paid and they, yeah, they paid more than their liability. Yeah. Non-refundable credits can bring you down to zero. Refundable credits can bring you down to a negative number, meaning that you get back from the government more money than you ever paid it. And like Perfect. I say, about 40% of the country, obviously it's the lower income 40% of the country, uh, but about 40% of the country actually either pays or is qualified to pay, even though I don't know, claim it. <laughs> right. um, uh, negative. Well, that's an important point because if it is 40% of the country and there are people that could qualify, but don't like you're saying, right. It's important for those who fall into that category to be aware that yeah. that's money that they're legally entitled to. Yeah. Uh, the other reason why you want to file, uh, aside from if you if you make money, you are required to, and if you lost money, it benefits you, right? The other reason why you want to file is that it establishes your business history, right? right. And the, that is something that same reason why you know, paying the hundred dollars for a business license, even though it's November, so you have to pay another hundred dollars in two months for a business license. You know, it basically is like an extra year. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so that establishing of the business history can be very helpful and advantageous to you. Got it. Um, I feel this is a simpler one than well. We can always go deep and complex, but. On the surface, kind of a, a simpler one with the question that we asked. Are there any particular pieces that we haven't hit on that you want to make sure that we cover? There was, it was in the back of my mind, and I totally forgot it. Well, and I would. <laughs> you know, all podcast listeners can't see right now, but Josh is growing a beautiful head of hair right now at the behest of his son, who yes. wants uh, Josh to have very long hair. So when he said it is lost in the back of your mind, it's really lost. In the hair somewhere. <laughs> Underneath this wonderful uh, mop. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves longer hair as I just paint yeah. the picture uh, to be. So, yeah. Well, maybe you could throw it on a future podcast where you'll just remember to be like, hey, just call back to that episode. You know, here we go. I finally remembered. I, oh, I got my hair cut. Good job tap dancing. You gave me time to remember it. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Uh, the other thing is just... With taxes, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Some of that misinformation is given by CPAs and EAs. Um, the tax code is enormous. Uh, it is very common that I have to correct clients, accountants, CPAs, and EAs, because the area of the tax code we're dealing with this in this particular area, I deal with it a lot, but they don't deal with it very much because it is such a huge thing. Um, and so there's a lot of misinformation. One of the most um, applicable to what we're talking about pieces of misinformation is the idea of how many years can you have a business loss and still declare it as a business loss until it's declared as a hobby. There are lots of CPAs, lots of EAs, lots of articles online written by CPAs and EAs, as well as just other random people that heard this and decided to repeat it without verifying it. <laughs> That say that you, you know, you after three years of losses, you can't, or four years or five years, whatever that number is, there is no line in the sand. There is no time period for when losses stop becoming losses. 
Hmm. Uh, for I would stop meaning when they cannot no longer be written off. Right. Uh, Amazon went a couple of decades with losses and they weren't declared a hobby. That's a good point. Right. Um, it had, and the IRS code talks nothing about time periods. Not, it does not mention it anywhere. What it is, is based on the facts and circumstances. In other words, based on what they think, <laughs> yep. are you running this thing in a manner that's consistent with someone attempting to create a profit at some point in the future, or are you not? And there's a whole bunch of factors, a laundry list of factors that go into that. But a lot of people get worried about, oh, I don't want to file a loss because that's one of my three years. Absolutely not true. There, there's, there is no truth to that whatsoever. Um, you know, Now, the longer that you go with losses, the more skeptical and the more they look at those facts and circumstances. But, that, but again, if your facts and circumstances are strong, you're running it like a business and you're in the pursuit of profit, you can go a decade or two, right? And it's, it's very possible. And, and this is a really important concept because a lot of what we perceive with taxes are based on stories that people tell, rules of thumb uh, that get passed around and, you know, political agendas to, to a great degree. Um, a great example of this is you hear a lot about, oh, these corporations had a huge profit year and they paid no taxes. Okay, Amazon has had numbers of years of profits with no taxes because they had two decades of losses and you can carry those losses forward. And so if you, a lot of people might think same thing, let's take it from the Amazon, from the corporation down to the individual coach. Well, but my losses are bigger than my income this year. So why should I file? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to offset anything or anything along those lines. You still want to file because that creates the record that you can carry those losses forward into future years that will help you benefit you in future years. And so there's, there's honestly very little benefit to not filing your taxes, to not filing your business taxes, other than I'm going to try and commit tax evasion. I mean, yeah, there can be other fears there too, Joshua, but I get what you're saying. Or oh, no, there's totally fears. I can totally understand fears. But the yeah. only benefit is, you know, there, there's so many benefits to filing your taxes and having your business listed on your taxes. Gotcha. The only benefit that really exists to not doing it is I did make a lot of money and I'm going to try and hide it. Now I got you. See, right. even people who deal drugs put that on their tax return. So come on, why don't you file? You know, I'm going to throw out one of those crazy examples. Oh, since you, you brought back the dealing drugs. Okay, here we so, go. This is going to wrap it up. <laughs> so. Uh, drug dealers are required by law to file their taxes showing their drug income, which, of course, is evidence of drug income, which can put them in the jail, jail for stealing drugs. They're going to jail either way. Um, however, they're not stealing drugs. They legitimately sorry, 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 sorry. Selling, selling drugs. drugs. Thank selling you. Drugs. Let's 
Come on, let's at least be yeah. honest with our with our facts. Yeah, here. I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch the reputation of drug dealers. <laughs> hey man, I'm not sure the hedge fund managers should should fare much better at some point in time. But we don't have to delve into that discussion. <laughs> let's keep it rolling. But the so uh, so they have to declare their income. However, they cannot declare their expenses because those expenses are illegal activities. Hmm. Except for the cost of purchasing the drugs. That's hilarious. So I buy cocaine for $100,000. I sell it for $200,000. I have all these other expenses. So I only have $50,000 of profit. Yeah. I can't declare the, those expenses, but I can declare the, the $100,000 for purchasing the drugs. And the reason why is because of the technical definition of business income which is why cost of goods sold is a separate expense category on a business's balance sheet because cost of goods sold is the calculation of business is part of the calculation of business income and then we deduct business expenses from that so technically the cost of the drugs happens before it becomes income but all the deductions are not allowed one of those crazy things that you would think you know but there are actual court cases about this where drug dealers have gone to court to limit their uh, tax liability for, and their punishment for not filing the taxes. Humans are great. You know, we just have the capacity for such so wide range of, you know, experiences of, uh, well, you know, and thank you, Joshua, for being able to continue to tell the stories that may have been lost to the you know, IRS nerd lore, but now we are bringing them fresh to the public. So you're welcome, everyone. This is, yeah, this is what we give to you on the Financial Coaches Network podcast. You know, and with that, I'm scared about anything, any other ideas oh, no, we're we're out done. of the back <laughs> of your head and hair. So we're going to call it here. <laughs> if you uh, have any questions and you are in the Financial Coaches Community Facebook group, you can go ahead and just ask them in the comments below in this video, and we'll reply to them after. If you aren't a member of the community and you want to be, because you're a current coach or aspiring coach and want a lot of free resources and community, you can go ahead and join the Financial Coaches Community Facebook group by heading to the show notes and finding the link directly to the group. Josh, thanks as always. And we will see you next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.